1: And what I love about the show, which is like 600 shows in now, but it's always about sharing ahas and insights and, and tips to enhance and support your book publishing, your book marketing, your writing, your social media adventures, all of that. And it all means author success. So my goal is to support you and your book, as well as my guests. And just a reminder, if you're on Twitter, how about connecting with me at My book shepherd, and certainly join the Book Shepherd book publishing group with, with me and there. And again, if you have any question, you can always email me at com. So with that, I, I want to jump right in because I'm so excited to have Paul Sullivan with us. Now someone who I have watched grow. She I admire her. She's here in the Metro Denver area. She is a visionary in bookstores and the changing face of bookstores. She is the founder of the book bar in Denver, and now she heads up the fabulous Bookie's bookstore. And she knows books inside and out. Now, what's very cool is her background is actually food and wine and books. She knew books. And she had uh, she was the owner of the Book Bed, which was the author's bed and breakfast, which was above the book bar, and Read Club Hub, which is an online site that matches readers to book clubs, which I think is very cool. And I hope she talks about that a little bit serves on a variety of boards of directors of like the, the mountains and plains, independent booksellers. And she knows what's going on in publishing today. So we're going to talk about the changes in publishing. We're going to talk about why, why all of you authors should be tap dancing and embracing indie bookstores. Because to me, a bookstore is the heart, the core, the hub of a community. And without them, um, it, it is truly a loss. So we're going to get into that. But Nicole, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Judith. I'm so happy to be here, and um, I'm I'm very happy that as you said, you've kind of watched me develop and grow and I have. expand. Yeah, because we've known I you know you were I met you from in the very very beginning. So almost ten years ago now.
1: Well, there it is, and I have to tell everyone about this. She has the most amazing checkout at her. I mean, it's a bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone understand. There's a bar there. Um, there's nibbles there, but her checkout stand where you buy all these wonderful books they hear in the store is made out of books. I, really, um, how tall is that stand? How tall is your re- your checkout?
2: Um, let's see. It's waist high on me. I'm short, so yeah. I'd say it's probably about three feet high.
1: At least three, five. three feet. Three so I'm, I'm just going yeah. three. Yeah, it could be four. No, three. Anyway, can you imagine many, 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 many feet of books that are three feet tall? And I suspect there are several deep because you you have um, you you do have a lot of things. We have cash registers. There's all kinds of goodies on there. But it's just it's it for visual candy. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite images. When I walked in, I fell in love. With that said, let's talk <laughs> yeah. about um, let, let's talk about what's happening and what are the big changes that you've seen. I mean, it's been ten years. You know, you opened the book bar in two thirteen, so you're a good solid nine years mm-hmm. old. Um, mm-hmm. What's happened? What's happened? Whew.
2: What oh. hasn't happened? Um, <laughs> So, you know, I when I opened my store, it was after Amazon had already taken a big chunk of the book business, um, mm-hmm. certainly the online business, and e-readers had already emerged on the scene. So those were kind of the, the couple of the biggest changes within the industry that had already happened. You know, I really feel for booksellers who came in um, before me and got hit with these big changes and had to pivot with that. Um, so I went in with my eyes wide open about, you know, the, the competition with Amazon and with, with eBooks, which, you know, we found, um, kind of plateaued because what we found is that as cool as e-readers are, and they certainly have a place, um, they're great for traveling and, um, you know, we sell e-readers uh, so there's definitely a place for them, but what people found is that they really missed books. And so that, you know, that kind of craze has leveled off a little bit. Um, i I heard a great analogy one time about, um, elevators and stairs. So when elevators first hit the scene, I mean, sorry, escalators. So when escalators came out, um, you know, it created an opportunity for people who couldn't take the stairs, but it didn't erase stairs. We still have stairs in our society. And I, I think books are the same way. We have e-readers, but we still have physical books. And, you know, those aren't going to go away because they, they, they carry some nostalgia. Um, they're a very tactile experience. Our brains work differently when we read real books that we hold in our hands and we can, you know, see them physically and and visually and know how many pages we have left to go in our book. Um, so it's a whole different experience and it's a different brain process than e-readers. So, um, you know, luckily that kind of scariness about e-readers taking over print books is is kind of behind, it's in the rear view mirror and we've learned how to make room for both. So, um, what no one planned for that was, it was giant the giant fear
1: factor that was the huge fear factor that yeah print books we're going to totally disappear it was a recent
2: survey i know
1: that came out and I'm totally tuned in and aware of it that that uh print is really the preferred of yeah. all the things that
2: people do absolutely absolutely and there was a fear that the e-readers were going to replace print books. that's not happened and it's not going to happen um, but uh, you know, along came the pandemic, and then there was a fear about how that was gonna affect independent bookstores. What we found personally, and I think a lot of bookstores fared much better than we had expected initially when everything started closing down, and it was a really scary time um because people had a lot of time on their hands at home to read books, and all of a sudden, you know, everything was closed, so um including libraries. So our online sales just shot through the roof overnight. Mm -hmm. So that was another, you know, really quick pivot. And that was kind of a blessing in disguise because for many, many years, independent bookstores had online platforms, but Mm -hmm. we struggled with getting that messaging out to customers that we can process your online book sales, ship them directly to your home, just like You know, anybody else, just like Amazon can, Barnes and Noble, you know, the big box stores. Um, And it it unfortunately took a pandemic for customers to um, feel like they were forced to utilize those services and then realize, oh, wow, this does work really well.
1: (laughs) Okay, so how did they respond? This is kind of a quickie question, because, you know, a lot of people who use Amazon use it because it's free delivery if they're prime. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm, right. I'm assuming that if they're buying online through a, a brick-and-mortar uh, primary bookstore initially, that there is a shipping cost. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, it depends on the store. You know, what a lot of us did um, when everything first closed down is we saw that as an opportunity to attract those customers that we had been trying to market to for online services mm-hmm. for so long. So my store, um, and I know some other stores, offered free shipping when everything closed because mm-hmm. our customers had no other option. We, we were forced to close our doors. So we offered free shipping and it was worthwhile because we were getting so much more online business. And, um, it was kind of a smart move I think on our part because we were able to attract those customers and then keep them. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, it, um, it kind of reminds me, Nicole, of uh, cause you were a newbie, the new kid, you uh-huh. know, kind of, um and you didn't have the old entrenched ways that the old timers uh-huh. would have and they weren't they couldn't pivot the way you pivoted so quickly. And it and it kind of reminds me of the you know, the twenty somethings, the thirty somethings that seem to have the technology DNA in their birth <laughs> right yeah. now. Right. you you were able and and you know you are you know you're not an, a 70 year old you're not a 60 year old and you didn't have any of those holdbacks about technology you immediately embraced it and ran with it which I think was to your advantage.
2: Yeah you know it's it, sometimes it's it's kind of a, a blessing of you don't know what you don't know and so when mm-hmm. I came into this business I my background like you said food and wine, Um, also before that, before I went to culinary school and worked in restaurants for a while, um, I worked at a mutual fund company, a couple of different ones as a website analyst. And so I worked on some of their, um, online Mm. features. And so that's where I gained a lot of that experience. So it wasn't so foreign to me and I knew, um, how to implement that and implement those changes pretty quickly. Um, so that was an advantage for me and, Mm -hmm. You know, not ever having been a bookseller before I opened my bookstore is crazy, first of all, but it's also um, there were some advantages there because I wasn't ingrained in um, the ways that bookstores had worked historically, which really hadn't changed for many, many, many years until um, (gasps) online sales came
0: about
1: oh no uh so you didn't have to unlearn like some of them are still unlearning as you know all right with me is Mm -hmm. the fabulous nicole sullivan she is the visionary and founder of the book bar in denver book bar denver and also she stepped in and, and took over the bookies which is what a wonderful bookstore too we'll be right back
0: Is your guide to book publishing? Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host Dr. Judith Briles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these
3: Is there a book in you? Or another? Author U shows you how to create, develop and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U Extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics through Author U's extensive network. Members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. AuthorU is the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms. And it is free. Discover AuthorU, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join AuthorU today at AuthorU.org. You and me.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book... If you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Riles.
1: Hi, we're talking independent bookstores today. And actually, we're talking author success and how to sell books. Um, and for you to really connect uh, with a bookstore. So, Nicole, you're really a community-based bookstore. How how many local authors really uh, approach you, or do you really get more contacts from the big boys?
2: Um, A mixture of both. So, um, and, and this is something that evolves over time, the longer um, a bookstore has been open, When we, as Judith, as I'm sure you know and remember, when we first opened, um, we really kind of got our legs by working with local authors and um, working with local authors to kind of understand ourselves the process of hosting events and how to put events together. And we had a lot of support with within the industry, there's tons of education available to booksellers, thank goodness. There's lots of networking available. So there's lots of opportunities to learn how to do these things, but um, really the best way to learn is to just get in it and start hosting events, start working with local authors, start learning what their preferences are, um, what works and what doesn't work, what what types of events attract more customers. Um, And for me, working with local authors, is it was incredibly important in the beginning and it remains incredibly important now and as we increasingly made a name for ourselves and um learned it met you know publishers and publicists from new york um and got on the map with um all of those publisher publishing houses and authors and the publicists we began attracting um bigger and bigger names but you know nine years later we're, we've hosted a lot of uh, those big-name authors and very popular best-selling authors, but um, it's so important for bookstores to not forget to continue working with local authors because that's, that's, that's how you really become a community bookstore, is working mm-hmm. with your community. And you can't get too big for your britches, so to speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> where you uh, start, you know, saying, oh, well, this author is not, you know. Uh, New York Times bestseller or whatever, because um, you got to remember, who, you know, the people that got you there and that, that will continue to support you. And it's a two way street and you have to continue working with each other. And I think that's incredibly important um, mm-hmm. for us. We have found it's kind of settled out to where um, those big name authors that are on tour and that do a stop in Denver if they do an event with us. That's always a very successful event, and sometimes it's so successful that we have to partner with a different venue um, that's bigger than our store. And then there are um, the local authors who will approach us, who, um, you know, they'll come to us and and tell us what they can do for us, um, because they know by now what we can do for them. So they'll come to us with a, a proposal saying, you know, we have this many contacts, we can partner with this organization, Um, those are the things that really attract our attention when they can say, here's what we can do for you as well, not just what can you do for us. And at this point, I mean, a lot of the the local authors we've worked with in the past and we know on a first name basis and we know what works well for them and for us. And it's, it's become pretty easy. Um, and I'd say those are also the events that are most successful for us when people, And that's really a more community event. You know, I think about um, some of the local writers' organizations like uh, Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Lighthouse Writers' Workshop, certainly, um, those kinds of uh, writers' organizations that their authors come to us, and they invite all of their connections as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just, it builds the store, helps to have a bar, everybody's.
3: Eating and food
2: and drinking (laughs) and it just becomes a big party. That's what it's all about.
1: I remember doing. I mean, years ago, like in your early years, and and I I put out on all my social media, and I just said, "Hey, meet me at the book bar at six o'clock. I'm going to be there." And it was so much fun to Mm -hmm. see people just wander in because they didn't know about the book bar. Um, Yeah, and you know, and that's the way it helps spread the word. Um, on it for me. So let yeah. me, uh, yeah, let me. What to you uh that you do in store events? How many people can you handle within the store at one of your events? When, what's when's the when's the tipping point that you have to go? Oh, oh, we better go 50. bigger.
2: Yeah, fifty, 50 people. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty packed in. Um, so luckily, you know, we have a patio space as well, so um, we can do. 30 to 50 on the patio, 30 to 50 indoors. Um, anything beyond 50 is just, then we have to go search for another um, venue. Um, and we have several uh, location partners. Um, one partner we partnership we just rekindled that we're really excited about now that um, the pandemic is hopefully over, I'm knocking on wood right now, is um, the Arvada Center. They have been a fabulous partner for us. And they're amazing because they have so many different spaces that can accommodate so many different types of um, events and different sizes of, of audiences.
1: So, when you do events, do you do? Ha, people have different systems. Like, you can just show up and you hope people buy books, or do you pre-sell the books? Or have you done a combination of that?
2: Yeah, we've done many combinations of that. Um, when we have something in store, typically, we just opened it up. We've started using Eventbrite more and more just because mm-hmm. that was really helpful during the pandemic when we needed mm-hmm. to control numbers mm-hmm. so that we could get some RSVPs and, um, and and we've continued using it because it's not only helpful to just know to get those RSVPs and get a sense of how many people to expect so that we can prepare for staffing, prepare for, you know, service at the bar. Um, but also it has a great built-in um, uh, social marketing feature as well, so it's a great way to help market an event as well as mm-hmm. kind of track RSVPs. Yes, and um, plus you plus you
1: capture emails.
2: Very important. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> lots of yes, lots of great um, features in Eventbrite. So we've continued using it, and um, and then when we have bigger events, we often do like to do a uh, what we call a bundle um, where you buy a ticket and you get a book. Um, that comes with the ticket, sometimes uh, publishers will um, prefer that or they'll they'll specifically ask us to do a, a bundle event because, of course, they want to see those sales. They want to see those guaranteed sales. So if we sell, you know, 500 tickets, for example, for an event, um, then that automatically translate, translates into 500 guaranteed book sales. Mm-hmm. Which and that is, is important well, everyone, for reporting. Then
1: everybody wins.
2: You win exactly.
1: Well, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. everybody yep. wins that way, and you have a good time. Yeah, I right, love that. So I'm a big fan me, of that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, for events. So, in your opinion, you've been doing this for a decade. What mm-hmm. works and what doesn't work? You mean as far as events? Yeah. What works? Yeah. For an author that's thinking, okay, I'm going to contact book bar or my local bookstore. What works besides
2: bookstores yeah, so, what works. Yeah, what I yeah, as far as well, first of all, to um, you know, first step is is trying is to get that venue, to get that event. And like I said earlier, one of the best things that authors can do is to tell the store, tell the venue what they can do for them. You know, like here's how many contacts I have that I can bring in. Um, because if it's, if it's an author that's not as well known, you know, maybe not a New York times bestseller, it's really kind of hard for bookstores to bring in an audience of their own for that. So I think that's really important for authors to know is there's only so much marketing that we can do. And so anytime an author is willing to meet us in the middle and say, Hey, I can bring some folks in too. And then we can say, great. We can bring folks in, too, just through our marketing. And in that way, we can come together and meet in the middle and bring in a crowd. So that works really well. Anytime authors or their their publicists can, um, the more marketing they can do as well, that's always a big plus. Um, And obviously, you know, if you can book your event in a bookstore that has a bar, that will attract (laughs) people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, there, there is, but and 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 curious.
1: How many bookstores have a bar, Nicole?
2: Well, um, more and more now. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, yeah. There have been more and more popping up all over the United States. When I first started, there were probably a handful that mm-hmm. I knew that I could reach out to and ask questions and you know get some mentors. Um, one was uh, the Bookworm in Edwards, Colorado. Uh, they have a cafe. They had a liquor license that they let go a few years ago because they found that it wasn't really worth the, the cost up there of having of keeping that license. Um, but, yeah, more and more people have recognized that um, community spaces are such an integral part of the bookstore experience and the bookstore business. So, you know, as like we talked about in the very beginning of the show, you know, with the competition with Amazon, with e-readers, with big box stores, all the competition that we're up against out there, um, we have to be very unique and get very creative. And what we have to do as independent, you know, smaller bookstores is create an experience. And the best kind of experience to create is a community experience. And the best way to create that is um, bringing people together around food and drink. So I think the combination of food and drink, and but not
1: food. so if. But not everyone has a bar like you do. Not everyone has a bar right. bar. So yeah, um, some have little cafes. Um, yeah. I, I I think what really upset me a lot was the Starbucks philosophy, was that with the pandemic they pulled out because they often were an integral part of of uh, a lot of bookstores. And mm-hmm. their philosophy became that if there wasn't a drive a drive in facility, you know, the drive by to grab to, that they yeah. shut they shut down their cafe, the interior cafe part. Of mm-hmm. a lot of and left a lot of bookstores kind of with a hole in the wall. Sure. Yeah. Um, and
2: I think that's which, that's the That's what we found now that we've been through a pandemic is the tricky part. If you do have a bookstore and it's not part of your overall business model having the cafe, you know, if you if you have a bookstore and you lease out space for someone else to operate a cafe or bar independently, um, you know, if something happens with that business model then you are kind of left holding the bag of just hoping that you sell enough books. to.
1: Mm -hmm. to Literally, I was in a store not too long ago that Starbucks so stripped everything. I mean, it was like a a third world by the time they withdrew all their stuff. It was stunning to Mm. me.
3: Uh Um, So.
1: So I guess for for any of you who are potential uh, bookstore owners and you desire to have a cafe and you lease out because maybe running a coffee shop is not your thing, is you better have a divorce clause in there. If they leave town, they have to leave everything. Just
2: saying. (laughs) That's right. You 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 better. (laughs) And then you, as the owner, had better learn how to make a cup of coffee real fast. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, And, you know, it's
1: doable. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. With me is Nicole Sullivan of the Book Bar and Bookies, and we're talking about working with bookstores.
0: is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Briles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these.
3: Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Briles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Briles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event.
0: Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know, but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.
1: All right, we're back, and um, I always love it when I can have fun with a guest. I mean, I I, I love bookstores. I uh, I had told Nicole several times if I had the bandwidth, I actually would own a bookstore, and and what I would want it to look like is the book bar, bar, booze. Listen, and all of you, if you do an event, if you have the opportunity to have booze, you sell more books. I'm just telling. I'm just saying that when true. people loosen up a little bit, true. Is that true, Nicole? It's <laughs> very true.
2: I can't tell you how many times people have walked into the store. And looked around and said, oh, gosh, I have way too many books already that I need to read. I don't need another yeah. book. Yeah. Then they have a couple glasses of wine, wine. and then they buy more books. <laughs> well, of the course. Bar the books start looking real good. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or, or also if there is an event going on and they do resonate with the author, the presenter, mm-hmm. they're going to want to take him or her home with them anyway. on on, on doing it yeah and and the also the other thing is that you know books of all the gifts books are my favorite you know i love to give books um and i will go in specifically uh, not saying oh i'm gonna buy for gift books but i my eyeballs are open for Mm -hmm. um the possibility oh that this might be perfect for Aunt Susan. This might be perfect for, or if you know someone follows a certain someone. And sometimes I suspect that when you've had an author in, you've got signed copies. Is that right, Nicole? Mm-hmm. That's
3: yeah, correct, so,
1: yeah. Yeah. So giving a book that's been signed by the author is kind of a special treasure.
2: It is. And not only just authors that we've had in that have signed the books, but um, publishers will give us um, – they'll give us a heads up on on special books that are, you you know, you have to buy in a pack like 12 copies that are signed. Um, And so especially when Mm. we get closer to the holidays, I really keep my eyes open for those kinds of deals. Um, For, you know, the uh, the New York Times bestselling authors um, will often do this. They um, just go into a warehouse and sign thousands of books, and then publishers will package those up and sell them by the case. And um, book sellers like me snatch them up so that people can come in and get signed copies for gifts. Yeah. So would they? I mean,
1: I love this idea. I mean, I, I, I've always believed, told authors they should pre-sign their books. But I love the idea yeah. and, and pitching it. So, do you when you buy that bundle of twelve? And say mm-hmm. that you know, or or thirteen for a baker's dozen. Let's kind of play it right. a little bit. You know, and, and you know, come in and buy and get a cookie. I don't care. Do something, people. But if you could yeah. do something like that, do they, when you buy them in a, a bundle, um, a batch of bundles, do you, uh, do they give you a special discount a little bit more because you bought so many?
2: Not necessarily. They'll have a discount structure that is not necessarily based on a case pack. It could be based okay. on, um, and it depends on the publisher. Some publishers, you know, if you buy three or more, you get a, an extra 3% discount. If you buy five or more, you get a 5% discount. So there's all kinds of different structures out there. Um, but when, for, when you're, you're saying buying,
1: yeah, Nicole, when you're saying mm-hmm. buying, what happens if, are, are these non-returnable books?
2: No, we always, um, I mean, they can be. You can set up your publisher accounts to where they're returnable or not. If you purchase books on a non-returnable basis, you do get a better discount, but then you're stuck with them. So all of our accounts we set up as returnable. Um, And that way, you know, that's, that's one of the benefits of this business. I mean, the margins are lower on books. However, I can't think of another retail product that allows you to return overstock in the way that publishers do. It's which a whole talk, different animal. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Um, and actually, that comes from 1931. <laughs> that, make, that comes <laughs> from the Depression when they were trying to figure out how to sell their 75 cent books. Literally, that's what books cost back really? then. Yeah, oh yeah, seventy five cents. A twenty five. Oh, a dollar twenty five was really big. Um, huh. But they I, and I can't remember which sales group. I, I don't know which publisher came up with it. But what if we? instead of the pre-selling and the buying what if we give them up to 6 months to return a book that's how that whole consignment thing came about mm. and and yeah. it's actually, actually to me it's very dinosaurian that <laughs> I, I i think that is i mean there was used to be a deal um when we were really you know working with a lot of bookstores and and ingram and baker and baker and taylor remember baker and taylor oh, um yeah. Okay, so they would order a boatload of books, and they whether it was the thirty or sixty or ninety day, they all of us said we'd have all these books returned, and then three days later they reorder all the same books again, because <laughs> they. I'm just telling you, everybody, they milk the system, um, and yeah. the, the, thing, the thing is, the books got, uh, if, you know, you're talking about handling, and and going back that sometimes that they would not be looking like they were brand new. Mm-hmm. If, if they were truly in a case, they get survived. But boy, once they come out, Holy moly.
2: But we saw. Yeah. Them. And then they get turned into remainders, which is, you know, when you walk mm. into Barnes and Noble and you see that big case of bargain books, that's mm-hmm. what those are. Those are remainders where um, those are the books that have been returned from um, as overstock from bookstores. And technically, the publishers are not supposed to resell them. So what they do is they sell them to remainders warehouses and the remainder warehouses then in turn, turn around and resell them back to um, bookstores for, you know, <laughs> just a fraction of the cover price. So there's, it's possible that a book that I buy too much of and then return it I could be purchasing that same book from a remainder warehouse, putting it on my shelf, and then marking it down fifty percent of the cover price. So it's really kind of interesting how the life cycle of, of a book and all the ways that can go.
1: Uh, it, it could, and it's—I mean, we've all seen it. Those of us who have been around what I would call it um, uh, long in the tooth <laughs> in this book business—that that's what we would see um mm-hmm. in these areas but it's it's you know a lot um in that so be aware I'm just telling everyone that you should be aware of what books you know there is a life cycle to books and okay. uh, you, you never know yes
2: and if they do, some of them that don't sell um if it's okay I can talk a little bit about our nonprofit association because um I do, that's I where have you that- know
1: Yep. I'd love to have you talk about it because I think people need to know about that because they should be supporting it.
2: Yeah. And we're actually opening. So, uh, what we did, this is a project that I started way before book bar. Um, it started with a community book exchange and it's the Northwest Denver community book exchange. And it was a simple idea. People would, we would invite the community to come in, bring books, um, that they could then exchange with their neighbors, um, for other books. And we would do this annually. And now, you know, Gosh, 12 years later, I believe, um, it's now turned into a nonprofit called Book Give. We have a headquarters on 49th and Lowell, and it's it's a vintage gas station because one of my passions is historic buildings, and I love to preserve them. So um, it's now our headquarters, and it's an old um, gas station garage full of books, and we're turning it into a free bookstore. We're going to have our grand opening September 13th. And, um, we're going to open it up to, uh, allow the community to come in and get what they need if they can't afford books, because they are getting more and more expensive, expensive as is everything. And I'm a huge, huge advocate for book access. I think book access Mm -hmm. is incredibly important for all the obvious reasons. And, um, there should be no barrier. Of course, as a bookseller, I have to make money off of books in order to keep my store open. But it doesn't always feel good because I know that not everyone can afford them. So that you know, the answer is is the nonprofit where um,
1: so, are, anyone are these, can come in and grab a book. Yeah. So, the, and and the name of the nonprofit again?
2: The, the, the it's book? book give. Uh huh. B o o k g i v e.
1: Okay, so the book give here, and this is, it's, it's, it's Denver the city, or is there another city? Yeah, it's in Denver, uh-huh. It's, it's in Denver. So, are these gently, gently used books, or are these brand yeah. new books?
2: They're gently used books. Um, we also have, uh, we take donations, and we have a budget where we can purchase new books for those who need them primarily. It's mostly schools. Um, we love to take um, authors to schools. And what we love to do, this is, you know, one of our, the bookies and, and book bar both. Um, we love to take authors to title one schools where these children don't always have the opportunity to meet authors in person. And, and it makes such a huge difference in their reading lives, in their writing, mm. potential writing lives. However, those are the kids that can't afford to buy the books from oh, no, the authors that we bring yeah. to them. And so that's where BookGive can come in and, and is our nonprofit arm. Um, and if we take authors to a Title I school, because, of course, you have the, the pressure of the publicists only want to send authors to the schools where they're going to sell a lot of the books because that's their main goal. So Book Give kind of fills, helps to fill that gap where um, we're able to bring the authors to these children who need them the most and who need their books the most. And um, BookGib will step in and purchase books for the children, for those authors. And then everyone's happy. The publicist, the publisher, the author, they get the book sales they need. The children, you know, get access to the authors. Um, So it's really kind of of closes that loop.
1: Mm -hmm. I I actually am thinking of an author that she probably has hundreds and hundreds. She's a wonderful children's author. She just doesn't want to market. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) She doesn't want to. So, Julie would be an ideal author to donate cases of her books to you for these kiddos. She would love to go to the school and do readings and play with the kids. She just doesn't want to do the other work. She would be ideal to refer to you. Send her my way. I'm going to. Uh, I, I absolutely will do it. So I I've just I have a big note to send Julie to you um, because her, her books are beautifully. I mean, she spent a lot of money on a high end illustrator um, mm-hmm. and the kids, the kids love the books. She just doesn't want to do the work that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was even saying, if you show me that you bought a book in a bookstore or on Amazon, I will don- donate a book to a kid in school.
2: Oh, that's amazing. That's great. And that's not unusual for authors. I mean, authors are, you know, they're really good at what they do, which is writing. mm -hmm. And not, you know, some of them just aren't interested or don't have the skills, don't have, don't really want the skills to be a marketer that's just that's not who they are so i know um,
1: and i'm gonna we're gonna take our final break here but i you know i always like to ask you know so how, how do we make this event work will you invite people so how what mistakes do do authors make in coming to events they don't invite people they, they yeah they <laughs> they expect that somehow the world will know that they will be here No, that's wrong, everyone. So when we come back, our final segment, I want Nicole to give us mistakes to avoid, how to really rock your event, um, no matter what part of the country you live in. We'll be right back. Well, this has been kind of a fun afternoon to spend it with the visionary, fabulous Nicole Sullivan of the Book Bar and Bookies here in Denver. In your Wherever you are, wherever you live, let me tell you, there are so many bookstores, communities that are just looking for you all to come in and say hello and create an event and build the community because they're the core. Um, but you have to. You as the author, I'm telling you, you as the author need to make the first step and maybe you have to make the step several times. So, Nicole, how should how should an author approach a bookstore?
2: Yeah, so I think that one of the first things I want to get across is that we get approached by a lot of authors. So Mm -hmm. um, I think probably the best thing to do is communicate, send a letter. And by letter, I mean that can be an email form. But that's the best way to start the conversation. Um, I think the worst way to start a conversation is to walk into a bookstore without an appointment, without, you know, sort of setting up any sort of communication ahead of time. Um, Especially if you walk in on a busy Saturday when the store is bustling, all the staff are busy and you try to grab somebody's attention to tell them about your book it's not going to go over so well <laughs> because um, so I would say read the room, you know, like if you, please don't walk into a busy bookstore and try and tell somebody at the counter about your book. Um, please do um, call ahead, email ahead, find out who the best person is to reach out to. And I know that sometimes email feels like you're, you know, sending something out into the void and it, it we've all been taught that it's always best to go in person to introduce yourself not really always the case you know with a with a bustle, bustling busy store so um i would encourage you to put together a letter put together a proposal um like i said earlier you know tell um tell the, the 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 venue the um the marketing person the event coordinator um some things that you can offer that you can bring to the event that you can bring um into the store and and people that you can bring in and the audience that you can bring with you um, obviously, you know, talk a little bit about your book, um, you know, what you think your book can add to their stacks, to their, um, portfolio of books, if you will. Um, and then, you know, offer to be, you know, uh, maybe come up with some creative ideas. Um, you know, if you're working with a bookstore that doesn't have a bar and cafe, you can propose, you know, bringing in some special cookies or a cake or something that has some sort of relation to, to your book. Um, yeah, I think the more creative, the more, um, the more you can make your proposal kind of stand out, that goes a long way. And be patient. So, yeah, be,
3: uh, <laughs> Patience oh, oh, yes. goes
2: a long way. <laughs> Patience. So
1: um, what about, so let's go back. You've, you've had, how, how many, how many book events have you hosted now in the oh decade? You think?
2: I don't know. I mean, to do some really, really quick math, I would say that. You know, on average, I would say we have a couple of events a week, author events. So, you know, a week times 52 times 10, whatever that is. I'm 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 obviously a book person, not a math person. So, you know, thousands.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, with, that, with this said, it, can you think of a handful that were just so wonderful, so unique? That stood out that an yeah, author kind I mean, of coordinated.
2: That an author coordinated. Um, mm-hmm. yes. So some of my favorites have been what we like to do is um, we like we love to host book launch parties. So um, for authors who are celebrating a book launch, having a bar is very advantageous because we can mm-hmm. put together a catering package and you know provide food do everything all in one place you know provide bottles of wine anything that turns into a party is always so much more fun it's so much more festive um and people you know your readers your customers your audience will go home and remember the great time they had um any way that you can that you can that you can make it festive like that is it's going to create memories for people, um, as opposed to, you know, creating a scene where you're it's an author standing at a podium and you're just kind of talking at people. The, um, it doesn't, and it doesn't even have to be a huge event with tons of people. I mean, some of the best events that I have attended, um, I think of Bill Rohrbach. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's, um, he's, he's from Maine. And he comes through town every once in a while and he has this really solid group of followers that whenever he comes through town and we host him, people show up and it's not a ton of people, but it's always so much fun because everyone's happy to be there. He sits down in the lounge with all of his guests and just has a conversation. So it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to cost a ton of money. Um, He's just very uh, gregarious and loves to, you know, sit down and, and talk with his readers. It almost becomes a book club, you know. So mm-hmm. some of the more intimate events um, where it feels more book clubby and it feels like you're hanging out with friends are the ones that I think are most successful, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I loved it when I did an event with you. I, mean, I think I think you actually had a sandwich board out front with my name on it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. I love that, but and I had I had sent out a deal to such a meet me at the book bar, um, and I was just so pleasantly these certain people in. But just this is when I think that all of you who do this kind of thing is that you I uh, she's mentioned eBrite. You can use eBite. You can do different things, but actually do it, do it, have some fun, and really invite them there. And I, I love the idea of the book launch. Um now, Nicole has in her facility food and bar <laughs> you know nibbles and and a and a bar people drink when they drink they buy more books. I'm just saying um and that they you know it 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 is festive it is an occasion, and they're they're just ready to kind of settle down whether they just this is gonna be their dinner. Um, they're just going to nibble for dinner or they're going to go to a local restaurant in the area afterwards. I mean, I've seen variables, but I think mm-hmm. festive is the right word, Nicole. That's the right. What can you do to make it festive mm-hmm. on that? And I remember one time I had a I had I went down to the bakery at the local uh, a bakery and I had them make. Um, cause I use, uh, I, at the time I was using sheepy guys, what we call them sheepy guys, but these, they were these in a lot of my, my publishing books. And we actually had cookies with a sheepy, really fun sheepy face, um, mm-hmm. with icy foot on them. And they went well. And one time I did a book, I may mean, I should do it again. And it had the colors for my quote book, which I've just totally redone, snappy, sassy, salty success for authors and writers. It has now 400 of my quotes in it. And I had cookies with different colored icing with the purple and the orange and yellow. And one said, I'm sassy, I'm salty, I'm 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 (laughs) I'm I'm snappy. And and we it was fun to see which cookie color went fastest.
2: Those little touches make a big difference. When we do um, book launch parties, one of the things that we can do is um, authors can opt in to have a personalized cake. And we've partnered with this local bakery since we opened, La Patisserie Francais. And Mm -hmm. um, they can do uh, the – I forget what it's called. But we send them a photo of the cover of the book.
1: and then they they put it on the cake? Fabulous. The
2: photo – Yeah. And it's edible, obviously. And they put it on the cake. So um, when the author arrives, they've got a cake that looks like the cover of their book. And that's something that's very memorable, not only to the author, but also to the guests. And, you know, you don't, that's something that authors can do just themselves. You know, if they have a bakery that they work with, think about ordering a cake for your event. If it's, if you're not partnering with a a bookstore that has a built-in bakery partner. Or
1: if you're in my neck of the woods, that, that the book bar has a bakery that they can put this all together for you, which yes. is very cool um, <laughs> when you have it. I have to say that one of the most outrageous events that I ever went to was the Tuscany, like in Italy, was the theme. There were sunflowers mm-hmm. everywhere as you walked in. And I thought, God, I would love to have this done. Uh, you walked in. Number one, there was a the mandol to mandolins playing. <laughs> I mean, mm the the mood was set up and you came smack to a giant i'm talking about an oversized you know foam board like 11 by 17 at least of the book cover encased in ice it sat it sat in a sea of shrimp i mean uh, there was an espresso place i mean we're in italy everyone Expresso, there was a dessert bar that I went over there and I thought I should just strip my clothes up and just rub my body all over because that's where everything's going.
2: <laughs> that <laughs> will make for a memorable event for sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was a
1: memorable event and the author sold 200, almost 300 books.
2: Amazing. So, yes, now I, so- I will do that. I will strip naked and rub my body all over the desserts if it'll sell 300 books. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so everyone,
1: that um, if you're in Denver, you need to discover the book bar. I'm just going to tell you. And it's it's on, on uh, is it Tennyson?
2: What's the street it's on? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yep, it's Tennyson. 43rd okay. and
2: Tennyson, right on the corner.
1: Okay. Or the Bookies, which is in Glendale. Um, yeah, 43rd Colorado. and
2: Mississippi.
1: Mississippi. I'm right. sorry.
2: Uh, Mississippi yeah. and Colorado, not 43rd.
1: Yeah, right off of Colorado Boulevard. But it, find out what your local is. Understand mm-hmm. that it's an event. You have to make it festive. And make a quick phone call who's responsible for events or for your your genre of book and then do an email. Don't bug them. Be patient. I heard I heard her say that very clearly. I wrote patience. And it's consistent.
2: Because we all are busy, and we do appreciate if somebody continues, you know, wait a week and then, you know, keep reaching out. Do that. Be persistent, but patient at the same time. Yeah. Got it.
1: All right. Nicole Sullivan, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Judith Riles. It's always so good to talk to you, and I'm so happy to be on your podcast. I'm thrilled. Oh,
1: glad to have you. All right, everyone. Thanks for sharing your time um, on the Author You, Your Guide to Book Publishing podcast. And remember... You can go to our book page. There's over 600 podcasts to choose from. We'll see you next week.